Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and Pastor Adam Mosier continue their discussion on the small called articles looking at an Old Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and a faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right, welcome back, guys. We are in our Bible study episodes. Uh, Old Testament. Uh, Old Testament today, and uh, I, we need to perfect this, Jason, but where are we in the Small Called articles again? Small Called 2.3, 2. Part 2, 3. Article 3, on chapters and cloisters. Sweet. Or just monasteries. 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 Yeah. 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 Monkeries and nunneries. <laughs> I think I've said that. this. Yeah. I think I've said this on the show before. Yeah. But when I was a kid, the uh, there was a a nunnery or a convent, as they call them, out uh, north of of my town that I grew up in, and there was also a fish hatchery near there, uh, kind of. And as a kid, they were right next door, but I don't think that they really were. But I called it the nun hatchery. And I had no idea I was being funny. It's just what I thought it was. Can we go out to the nun hatchery? And uh, <laughs> turns out that they don't hatch nuns there. That's part of the problem. That's part of the vocation that is being shirked, apparently. Sorry if there are any kids listening. Anyway, go yeah, ahead, Brett. That's right. What were we talking about? Yeah, the so Old Testament? Today we are in Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Yeah. And, and we thought, well, we didn't know what passage to do. And we thought, what better than the passage <laughs> of God saying, I know the plans I have for you. Yeah. Plans to give you a verse for a podcast. Oh, wait. No. Yeah. No. I, li- I like what you did there. Yeah. I, yeah. This is not the being Lutheran equivalent of I can do all things through a verse taking out of concrete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. In fact, I don't. we're not even going to get to 11, really. No. Um, we're not going to take it all the way to 11. Today. Not going to. Oh. No, we're going to talk about something else. So. Yeah. yeah. We're actually looking at verses 4 through 7. And I'll go ahead and read that for us, and we can launch into I, our discussion. I'm offended that you didn't want to try verse 3. Oh, you started names. at verse four instead. <laughs> <laughs> Coward. Yeah. yeah. Brett's uh, had a rough stretch lately. We'll yes. give him we'll give him verse three off. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. All right. So verse four says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Here ends a scripture reading today. Amen. Amen. So before we get to the application of this verse, which I think it is, I I think Adam, you did a swell job of finding a passage that connects well with the theology of this article. I I think there's probably two nits we have to pick here just to make sure we're on the same (laughs) uh, page. The first is what's the historical context? Why are these verses being issued? So we can say that. And then I, I think we should probably spend at least a couple minutes clarifying the distinction between descriptive and prescriptive descriptive verses of the Bible, just so that we, we know we're not misapplying it here. 
Uh, so that, that that's just a little bit of a preview. Did you say that to fix my theology about no, this? No, Th- these nits we're picking in general, or these are these, nits you're assuming you're picking with me. Well, both they both can be true. Yeah, because I've actually <laughs> never read any of the other verses around it. I've only <laughs> heard this one preach once, and and uh, I have Jeremiah twenty nine eleven on the inside of my shoes. So yeah, I, yeah. You know, that's the whole thing. I think I'm more worried about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven <laughs> than I am about Jeremiah twenty nine four through seven. But it, it really makes a good point. Like, what's going on historically yeah, here yeah. and then what's the proper way to use scripture in these both decidedly vague but intentional passages mm-hmm. where people can get a lot of inspiration out of but we probably shouldn't be getting inspiration from in certain ways right. mm-hmm. yeah and, and this is this is a historical uh passage of scripture and that's that's definitely part of the um, learning to handle it and yeah so there are exiles, there's Babylon. Uh, what's happening here, Jason, with the his- historical situation? So Jeremiah is prophesying to the exiles, the eventual people that Ezekiel will be prophesying to. Jeremiah stays home, the exiles go to Babylon, and Jeremiah is sent as a prophet to contradict the words of the false prophets who are only preaching glory and triumph, right? So uh, the, the false prophets are preaching to the nation of Israel, you guys are going to get out soon, uh, don't bother unpacking, you're just going to turn around, <laughs> yeah. kind of a thing, right? Jesus is coming back, don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Well, there's a ton of application <laughs> for, the, yeah, right. for the eschatological doomsday people. Yeah. Uh, but that's basically what's going on, is that the false prophets of Jeremiah's day, and really of all the prophets, it's just the common theme, especially in the minor prophet, is these glory chasers. Yeah. where the, the people of God only triumph because they're the people of God Interesting. and God yeah. only wants their prosperity. And if this sounds exactly like the prosperity gospel, that's because it is. Yeah. <laughs> or, or even just a softer form of, of that. Yeah, or, or yeah. The, the prosperity gospel is just a softer form of this, right? I mean, mm, either way you sure. look at it yep. can be applied. Yep. But you know, God's like, no, I'm pretty serious about this punishment. I'm pretty serious about the 70 years that we've talked about in a couple different places. Uh, if you guys are going to get on... Uh, then what you need to do is settle in this land and be good neighbors to the Babylonians because, you know, the return train isn't coming around for a while. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for that historical... Even better uh, than my brief history of the Middle Ages. Yeah. Two episodes. <laughs> did, did a much better job with that than, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so your second point was just wrestling with the whole... Descriptive versus prescriptive, uh, you know, you have kind of similar to like the book of Acts. Like, is this something yeah. where we should be? Uh, yeah, Adam, do you want to speak? Yeah, about so descriptive scripture uh, versus prescriptive. You think of describe versus prescribe, you know, like a, a medicine. You have um, descriptive is, is what happened. It's a history. It's looking at the the history of, of what God's people did go through um, it, in descriptive theology or descriptive scripture, I should say, is not necessarily prescriptive theology. Uh, so uh, an example of of that would be in Acts, um, you know, the book of Acts is they talk about baptism, for instance, uh, because they baptized adults and that was the specific, uh, you know, application in Acts that we read about. Um, the argument is made we shouldn't baptize children then because in Acts they baptized the adults. Well, that's like saying that Abraham was circumcised when he was 75 or whatever he was years old and and um, 
you know, his children were at eight days, you know, it just happened to be that when the thing started, he happened to be old. <laughs> when, when baptism became a thing, it happened to be, you know, that the, the people who are hearing this were adults. And we have no indication by the way that they weren't baptizing children. They just, you know, the examples that are given in Acts, it's a description. It's not prescribing that they should only baptize adults. Uh, in this particular case, in this, in this particular passage, we have to be careful. Is this a description of what God's people were to do then? And, or can we prescribe it as something that we should do now? And, and I'm going to make the argument that there is a principle here. And Jason, I don't know. I think you're maybe going to jump into this or yeah. maybe correct me either way. But I think that I'll do what, what you did to the historians. I'll probably do to the theologians here. <laughs> but, you know, there are principles in Scripture that we can, can look to and say this was how God talked to his people who were in exile. We can look to scripture and we can see Peter telling us that we are exiles as Christians. We are exiles in the world. And so we can look at the principles. What did God say to them then? Uh, and look and say, this is how we are to live now. And so I think verses four through seven are absolutely things that, that could, um, apply to us here in the United States in 2023. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Jason, what were you going to say? Yeah, this is a both and thing as far as prescriptive and descriptive, right? It's descriptive. And this happened at a specific time in a specific place, roughly 2,600 years ago, right? Give or take. Uh, in that way, uh, it would be terrible to apply this verse. Like if, you know, you are using it to justify a move, yeah. Or, or yeah. you know something yep. like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and really, the, uh, like I'm I said, moving to the big city of Minneapolis, where all the things are bad, but I'm going to prosper there. You know, I'm going to build houses yep. and take wives and uh, yeah. Wow. So, so yeah. the bigger application from North Dakota, the Promised Land, of course, the God's country. Yes, that's where I came from. Yep, me too. Two of us Not uh, me. have been blessed. That's where Brett uh, should have come from. What, what uh, Illinois roughly translated uh, into the Hebrew is what Gehenna? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember exactly. Come on, come uh, on. No. Uh, Sheol. <laughs> yes. The pit. The grave. This, this yeah. world is not my home. Yeah. Uh, right. But the, the bigger thing is, like I said, everything I'm reacting to isn't from these verses. It's from verse 11. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you future and a hope. Uh Everyone's like, oh, it just must mean, you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. (laughs) So the interpretation of that that verse has been, you know, wrongly taken, like we've been talking about the descriptive, prescriptive. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of every abusive, manipulative Christian cliche, and and it probably traces at some point back to confusing descriptive in prescriptive theology. Mm. Right? Yeah, it doesn't so, help that the second person plural yeah. in, in English is the same as the first person or the, the second yeah. person singular either, because in that verse, it's talking about y'all. Yeah. You right. know, I know oh, the plans then, I have for y'all. y'all. And, and if you, you know, want to solve that, sense. look up y'all version. It's a new app <laughs> really? that highlights the no second person plural. Yeah. It's called y'all version. <laughs> That's great. It is a dream come true. Yeah. It's amazing. And I've the Pittsburgh version of that yeah, is no, the you yin's can, version. You can switch it to yin's. Really? <laughs> there, there, there's like, there's like, there's like, uh, Eugene Peterson, eat your heart out. Yeah, yeah. There's like 16 different colloquialisms that you can change it to. So you can see the second wow. person plural, 
uh, in scripture, but it's called y'all version, but you can change it to yins and you can change it to use guys. <laughs> I'm not That's even kidding. awesome. Yeah. Uh, so besides that, so you, you look at this and like, uh, pick a cliche at random. I'll, you know, do, uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. Oh man. Mm-hmm. You know, You're going to make my blood pressure. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> but God frequently gives us more than we can handle yeah. regularly yeah. gives us. I mean, I can name off the top of my head, probably four dozen people in my life who have received at some point in time and even regularly in their life more than they can handle. But we like chasing these empty hallmark level promises where the, the end goal of our faith is warm fuzzies. Yeah. And the misinterpretation of verse 11 yeah. is warm fuzzy. Right. I, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That can be construed with verses four through seven here. Sure. I like to say to people who, you know, who claim that, you know, it depends on how well I know them because sometimes it's, they're in a really tough spot and pastorally to say, well, actually your theology, you know, you got to be careful in how you go about that. But for the person who's kind of claiming it willy nilly, I say, yeah, you, you'll get that right after you've committed, you know, 70 years of, you know, hard labor in actual Babylon. Yeah. Right. After that, yeah. though, you're good. Yeah. You moved but, to Iraq. But you literally got to live in Babylon for 70 years first. Yeah, exactly. That's the yeah. point, right? And the, to be clear, just to highlight what Adam said, someone who is suffering and lashing out in pain does not need a precise theological lesson. Very, very, very rarely will that help, right? Yeah. But to a person who is trying to shield their Christian life from reality... Those things need to be pointed out, and especially to the false teachers. Right here is a great point for us to highlight the distinction between the falsely taught and the false teacher. Mm-hmm. Right, kick, the, kick the dog, console the child. Yeah, that's yeah. the other way, you know, to steal yeah. Brian Wolfmuller's yes. thing. Right, yep, yep. E- either one of those, exactly it. So when uh, you know God says integrate with the society where I've put you, that is not justification to deny your vocations and move somewhere on a whim and a fancy because you want to do something, and then confuse that with the voice of God. Right. That's not the justification here. So to to highlight verse 11, which we did not read and is not part of our Old Testament study, there is application of that to the believer. Right, yeah. it's a and, gospel passage because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, and what in its eschatological and its promise. Yeah. When the exile is over, we are sojourners on earth until He returns, and when He does, the the hope and the and the blessing for His children is absolutely there. Yeah. Now that we know what the passage isn't about yeah. <laughs> yeah what is the actual verses we read and what are they about well i think the launching pad is spot on where you started adam is to realize yeah, that we are exiles in society right yep. this world is not my own our citizenship is in heaven that's philippians right mm-hmm. so we look at that and like okay uh the temptation as we talked about two episodes ago with withdrawing from the world Uh, rather than integrate in society, uh, that is counteracted with scripture passages like this and with the doctrine of vocation. God wants us in the world, loving our neighbors as long as we're in the world. We're not to withdraw. And so the, the, uh, the advice God gives through Jeremiah to the Jews in exile is this is your life now. This is what you must suffer through. And to make the best of it, uh, pray for your rulers. Uh, integrate with your neighbors, love them and serve them because these are your neighbors. And that that advice carries 100% overlap to the Christian life. Yeah, yeah. Ex- execute your vocations, right? Sure. I, I, I think this is, 
you know, it's, it's maybe a little bit interesting because and it's a little bit of a side note too. I think we see, and we talked about the eschatological reference to this, the end times reference. And I think a lot of people, you know, think, um, in, uh, growing up in the, I shouldn't say a lot of people, that's very vague growing up <laughs> in some of the eschatological milieu that I did, I, I kind of got the idea that Christ is coming soon. Don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about saving. Don't worry about working hard. Don't worry about, you know, uh, in, in some extra, you know, don't, don't, don't go and be a mechanic. You need to be a pastor. Right. And that's, uh, you know, that's the mentality, you know, people need to hear about Jesus. Yep. They do. But the way that God, you know, has, has situated us is such that we proclaim the gospel and loving our neighbor, you know, and, and the opportunities that we have in loving neighbors in the ordinary ways. So when, when you, when you see this, you know, the, the whole idea of us, you know, let's just, you know, skip savings, skip whatever, cause Jesus is coming back. Uh, it, it's, it reminds me of the, of the, phrase or the saying that was um, attributed to Luther. I don't think it was Luther. I think it's pretty well proved that they can't find it anywhere in his actual writings. But yeah, if Luther didn't say it, he should have. He but. should have said this. He should have. Yeah. He said, you know, what, what do you do when, if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what would you do today? I would uh, plant yeah, my little tree. apple tree, yep. you know, and, and that, you know, the, the though it not be Luther <laughs> and, and though the point is, is obviously not literal. The idea is let's continue on in the ordinary pattern of the, of the life that God has set before us. Let us love the neighbors that God has put in our path. God has set a whole host of neighbors in our path and God wants to use us to love them. It's, it's quite the literal opposite of let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Yeah. It's let us love our neighbor for tomorrow we die. And, yeah. and that's the whole point. And, and what's so interesting about this is that eschatological alarmism leads to the mentality where we don't integrate into society. And where we, where we yeah. shirk the normal vocations, yep. right? A, a good yep. example of that is I, I recently, I'm not going to, for the sake of, of privacy, I'm not going to share names, but a well-known Christian author. Can you author, tell us his initials? <laughs> can't even tell you their gender, Jason, but a, a well-known Christian author who may be a female. Uh, <laughs> I had a, had a conversation, you know, with some people that she, uh, you know, that, that had, had gotten to know her a little bit and she talked about how in her family, the the uh, what her grandfather was so dedicated to his ministry, pastoral ministry and teaching ministry, that he he shirked his vocation as father. And those children uh, of his were very, um, uh, you know, they they weren't <laughs> uh, following the Lord m- maybe as closely. They were rejecting. Um, they were rejecting. Yeah, and so be- because of the absence of their father, because that fatherly vocation that God had placed in his life, he had been shirking at, in order to focus on some of the other things. And and we just, we can't do that. As pastors, all of us sitting in this room are, you know, and uh, you guys are in the parish, I'm teaching, but it's the same, the same kind of role, is we can get consumed by what we're doing for sure. That's true of any vocation, but, you know, we, we've got to be careful and recognize that God has, th- this is part of our, you know, part of, you know, yeah. one of our callings. Yeah. It's not all of our callings. We need to be good husbands. We right. need to be faithful husbands, uh, loving our wives. We need to be good and faithful parents, loving yeah. our children. We need to be good neighbors. We need to be good citizens. Yeah. I love the just ordinary things that are mentioned in this text, you know, build houses, live in them, you know, plant gardens, you know, shout out to my wife, loves, uh, you know, having gardens, yeah. you know, just uh, it, the the kind of ordinary things of, of life, uh, eat their produce. Um, have babies. Yeah, have babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then baptize them. Yeah. Have uh, babies and baptize them. That's the, uh, that's the Luther. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it's just, I love how 
and and you know we're taking out the the principle of this text you know uh, there as we think of wrestle with uh, descriptive prescriptive but um, I, I think that uh, these are these verses just uh, are just chock filled with uh, vocation implications yeah they're 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 chock filled with vocation they're they're chock filled with dirt under your fingernails yeah. and sweat stains on your shirt and things like that right. Yeah. Walking your daughter down the aisle, you know, those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah. Normal life. And we, we, we hit on that last episode with our, our desire for the extraordinary. But I, I think really why this is so revolutionary for so many people in our modern age, too, is our, our innate idolatry. That we are always mm. trying to do God's job for him as if he's not in control. And that, that goes back again to that eschatological alarmism. Yeah. Mm. I, I want to note something you guys have highlighted, you know, kind of the, the building a house, mm-hmm. the planting gardens, establishing families, etc. That's all you could argue if, if it was just left there. Well, that's just keep to yourself and have a normal family. Yep. But he says, seek the welfare of the city yeah. into which I sent you into exile. Which is interesting because in that he's saying he cares about the welfare and the well-being of those who don't know him because Babylon did not, you know, I mean, there was, we aren't to the point where you saw a little bit of, you know, some repentance and growth in that culture, probably because the people were doing what, you know, the faithful were doing what God told them to do, right? But you're not there yet. These are people who are not Christians are not believers. It's saying integrate yourself into society. Seek the, the, the benefit of your society. And, and, and you, you don't see this in the text, but it's very much there. Make sure the, the, make sure the roads are good. <laughs> Help your neighbor build his house. You know, yeah. you know, talk to you, have them over for dinner, feed them, go, go out and, and feed the poor. Run for city council. They probably couldn't because they were not Babylonians, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Ru- yeah. Involve yourself in the yeah. city. Look for the benefit there. It's not just within my walls at home. It's outside of that too, even in a pagan world, just like we live in vote you know? for Mordecai vote for Mordecai. yeah <laughs> that's right well but I, I will have to say that as you bring that up it's incredibly convicting for me because it's really easy to dump on cities like Minneapolis mm. you know I have I have talked repeatedly if it wasn't for my call to my church in South Minneapolis getting out of Dodge and moving to the middle of nowhere you know back, not in back, Illinois but other back, back yep. to the you know the better middle of nowhere North Dakota uh <laughs> Back to my home country of Macville or, you know, yeah. Reynolds or, or places like that. It's, it's highly appealing, but this is exactly what God is telling us not to do. It's that we are right here, yeah. right now in this place, uh, a, a pagan and godless society. Uh, and and what, what does God want us to do? He wants us to integrate and be good neighbors. Hmm. Yeah. He wants us to participate in civic life because, one, that's the way daily bread is provided for us and for our neighbors. And two, it's the way that God draws people to himself. Yeah. You know, it's the, the interesting application of all of this, really quick to run back to historical context, because I know we're up against time. Yeah. The interesting application is the Jews are being punished because they did the opposite. They were called to be a city on a hill a light for the Gentiles, and instead what they, became, what they did is they withdrew themselves from the Gentiles and became exactly like them, hmm. that they adopted their worship customs, they became pagan uh, and heathen, and then they just would walk around and see we're so much better than everyone else. And God said, you know what? No, I called you to be a city on a hill, so I'm going to literally put you in the midst of these people for you to be lights. 
So you're telling me that they cloistered themselves and perverted what God That's had <laughs> blasphemed against them, just like Luther yeah. says in the uh, in the small called articles, right? Yeah, read Amos, read Micah, read Hosea. This, one of the problems is that the Jews took pride of place mm. and never actually practiced what they preached. They thought, look, God had chosen us. We uh, are the bee's knees. And we know what's good for everyone else. And rather than uh, even, yeah, it would have even been better in their source of pride were they to invite the, the, the nations to participate in that. Mm. But they, they withdrew themselves from the nations and then became exactly like the nations. Mm. Yep. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. So maybe that's, should we end there? Any other closing comments here? I, do, I guess one of the last thing here, you know, the last part of verse 7, in its welfare, you will find your welfare, right? I don't know if, if we see you know, how we talk about the masks of God and, and how yep. the Lord... No, that's exactly what it Lord is. ...Lord blesses us through and kind of that mutual God working mm. through each other to bless each other. You know, and if creation works as God designed it to work, it is principally better for everyone. And that's what this means. So if, if you are in exile in Baghdad, uh, the best way for you to be blessed is to ensure that the society runs you runs in the way God intended it to run. It's not to stand on a soapbox saying, uh, you idiots, be like me. And it's not to hide and withdraw from society. It's to say, uh, it will be better for me if I'm out there loving my neighbor and causing the world to work in the way God intended it to. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and Pastor Adam continue their discussion on the small called articles looking at a New Testament passage and its application. Do you know a student that would benefit from the training at the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary? Encourage them to apply at flbc.edu. Applications are open for both fall 2023 and fall of 2024. Start here, go anywhere grounded in God's Word.